You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was add 10 gallons? Add 10 gallons. My first thought was we got to put active on Yeah, great. Trucks on the way. On the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. <laughs> which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems on a job site that can't be solved with a sack full of biscuits. Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by Actigel 208. Actigel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, Actigel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, Actigel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let Actigel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at actigel.com. That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. This is episode 10. We appreciate you being with us. We got the boys back. Paul, what's going on? Oh, it's good, brother. It's Friday. Uh, going to the weekend. Daughter turns five today, so I'm going to go home, and we're going to bust up a Hello Kitty pinata. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Joey, what's going on? I'm doing good, considering I don't have a Hello Kitty pinata to bust open. I'm jealous too. <laughs> go to pinata candy, Paul. Go. Oh my gosh. Uh, for me, it's Jolly Rancher. Okay. Because it goes flying. That's it, true. It falls out. Good flow. Uh, <laughs> great, great flavor. It lasts a while, so it's not gone too quick. Doesn't melt if you're doing it outside in the summertime. Okay. Big Jolly Rancher guy. All right. Okay, Joey. I still got to go still with the go mini Reese cup. Don't care how hot it is. You can still get them out of that wrapper. <laughs> I'll eat the wrapper. I don't care. <laughs> I was always a big fan of the uh, the Jawbreaker hard candies. Really? That's yeah. like the one thing I never wanted. I was yeah. like, don't make me eat this for three days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, I mean, completely the other end of the spectrum. I'm also a huge um, Tootsie Roll fan, the flavor ones and the oh. chocolate ones. Okay. Okay. I see that. Yeah. So we've uh, we've got uh, mostly chocolate for our pinata. It's going to be indoors. The kids love chocolate the most. So. Uh, ours was full of chocolate. I saw my, uh, Becca ran in this morning, and, uh, you know, Dad, look what I got. And it was just a, a gigantic bag of Hershey Kisses. Nice. And she was like, this is what I'm eating on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, could you please just hand me a towel? <laughs> okay. I need to dry off. <laughs> so she already knows how to take advantage of uh, proper situations to get what she wants. I, dude, Charlie she, knows it's my birthday. I can probably do whatever I want to. I, I, look, she, I don't know what they get away with at school on birthdays. I think I hear it gets pretty rowdy, but uh, she'll have a belly full of cupcakes and candy by the time she goes to bed tonight for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I'm more surprised. Have flavored flavored I've never, I've never even heard, heard of that. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're a little bit larger in size than like your traditional skinny Tootsie Roll, but there's like uh, there's yellow, orange, red. Purple, green. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um they're real popular for uh, parade candy as well up around me. I remember that as a kid. Um, Dude, too poor for that. No, none of Joey's teams ever win any championships. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Hey, we at least hey, had, had some for basketball, basketball coach, coach, okay? okay? That's true. <laughs> you did have the best female basketball coach ever. How so. did Pat Summit and Bear Bryant not have a kid together? <laughs> they probably, well, did. probably did. His name is Nick Saban. Saban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to him. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, uh, did anyone's team get to play football last week? I, I feel like everything's been postponed. Or, it's weird. We're up here. I mean, we're recording this on Friday. So, I mean, we're not fans, but it's popular around here. The Steelers and Ravens played on Wednesday at 430 in the afternoon because later that evening, there's a tree lighting ceremony that had to be put on television instead. So what? What? Yeah. What are you talking? Hold on. What? The game. The game. It was televised on NBC, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, I saw the end of the game. When I got home, I saw like the last five minutes of the game. Right. So at, at 4.30 on a Wednesday, the game took place. They were bumped from the primetime slot because the tree lighting ceremony at Rockefeller Center was televised on NBC networks at, at like the 7.30 or 8 o'clock time slot. Oh, they got bumped. They so got MB- bumped. For, oh. from, they got bumped by a tree lighting ceremony. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, Alabama played last weekend. It was the Iron Bowl. And uh, destroyed Auburn that. by a hundred points. It was it wasn't even as close as the score. It wasn't close at all. And then this weekend we we're supposed to play Arkansas, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, people would probably rather see the LSU game. So they they bumped <laughs> Arkansas from the schedule, and we're playing LSU this weekend. I'm not mad about it, but it does show Arkansas standing within the SEC. Like we are a stepchild. <laughs> well, you say that, and then Alabama's favored by thirty or 40 or some crazy know, number it doesn't make any sense yeah i think arkansas will give them a better game but it's it's about the fan base more so than the game not that arkansas has a bad fan base but it we're, you know i'm can can admit we're not lsu hey the only the only game i got any money on this weekend is the texas a&m auburn game i think auburn is terrible i think texas a&m is not terrible not great but not terrible and uh they're they're you know, you're you're giving six and a half. You're not even giving a touchdown. Yeah. And I think Texas A&M wins by 14. So I, I think that's easy money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree. It's at Jordan Hare, which might factor into it a little bit. But yeah, um, I'm not necessarily an Auburn hater, but I am this year because Arkansas should have beat them, and they didn't, <laughs> which is annoying. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas and Georgia both complain about the refs more than anybody else, but Arkansas's claim is at least legit. Yeah. I'd like to think so anyway. Unbelievable. Yeah. For sure. Joey, um, you going to watch football this weekend, or you got something better to do? I mean, there's always something better to do than watch Tennessee football these days. So I'll probably won't even watch the Florida game. I'm going to be legit honest with you. I don't care anything about that game. I've retired as a fan, I think, for the rest of the year. Unless, you know, we play that Harrison Bailey, uh, freshman quarterback, all four quarters, then I have zero interest in watching that game. I, I feel like uh, Tennessee's quarterback must have blackmail on the head coach. Like, there's no reason the the, hair, the freshman's not playing. And that Florida game opened up. Uh, Florida opened as a 16 and a half point favorite, and I, I was I was tempted. I was like, Tennessee's not very good. Florida's pretty good. It's a four score game all day long. I was like, you know, I'm pretty tempted. 
and I was like, I'll, I'll come back. I'm going to think I'm going to sleep on it. And uh, the next day I came back and it was already over 17 and a half. And it was just, it was moving in the wrong mm-hmm. direction. I was like, nope, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to touch this. It's just going to keep going up. How many points do you think Tennessee is going to score? I don't, <laughs> not enough. <laughs> not enough to win. <laughs> I remember when uh, Garantano come into the program. We all thought he was going to be good. He looks the part, right? He looks like yeah, a super yeah. athlete. When he throws the ball, he's got days where he looks like a real quarterback. And then just for some reason, he loves to stare down his receivers and throw it to the other team. Yeah. Yeah, he is, he is a little robotic, as they say, for sure. Not, not much for progressions. But speaking of robots – Segway. Let's turn this to uh, a little bit concrete here. So right. there, there's a couple competitions out there that uh, the, the very largest of the large uh, concrete cement companies put on every few years. And, uh, you know, so there's these innovation competitions, essentially. And uh, one of them uh, published the list of finalists the other day that are compete from the grand prize, whether it's, you know, tens of millions of dollars or contracts or whatever it is they're going to get. So tens of millions of dollars something i mean you say the word contract i i see well (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know if it's contract for orders it seemed like it was like here we're going to seed you this money well that money also come with like hey we have to have 10 percent of your company or 50 percent. you know i i don't know but they're getting exposure and it exposed me to want to this list of people and there's some neat things on there but uh, one of them really caught my eye and it was a robot that does drywall and so this this robot just comes in and it already has like the drywall like inside of its compartment that like oozes it out of its arm onto the blade and runs it up the wall perfectly finished it moves over the next part it just goes also like the joint tape compound joint tape it. compound mud okay. yep and just uh tapes it off it tapes it off muds it screeds it and then when it dries, it comes back and sands it. Really? And so, yeah, so it's just running through these buildings just super fast. And when I saw it, I was like, you know, why not have a robot to finish concrete floors? Why not take the human element out of that? How many laborers do you have on the site that are screeding and finishing those floors? Now, I mean, some big jobs have the laser screeds yeah. and stuff. So that's that's an... Uh, almost a robotic element taking over that but it's it's not automatic and but, there's still limitations to that as well there's still limitations to that too but what if you had a robot on that could get into complicated interior floors outdoor slabs whatever it is right but uh, a robot to finish is, is there a way to do that is there a way to do that with a robot um that because you know the, the human element to concrete comes in so often like a guy that really has experience in concrete we've talked about it here he's almost like an artist a guy who makes concrete is almost like a chef and a guy that can finish concrete really well is almost like a sculptor. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a little bit of, a bit of artistry in with the science. Well, and Mason Garino, when he was on the show, he was talking about, it's hard to retain those guys. It's, it's hard to train them. And there really isn't a place to go to, to teach everybody like a set cur- curriculum. You almost have to recognize talent and then somehow maintain or retain it. Um, so yeah, being able to cut out all of that would be, just super beneficial to these business owners that i mean sometimes they're they're left to just do it themselves yeah and joey we've seen when we go on sites that almost all the finishers are like 50 years old and older oh yeah absolutely there's like the experience is something that you cannot teach a robot that a robot will never be able to have i think when you get to a certain point 
or up to that point, a robot or something mechanical is beneficial in that you can cover so much more area. Robot's not going to tire out. Uh, you could probably put like a big boom and, uh, you know, arms or whatever else to reach across the slab. You don't have to shimmy a guy out to the middle of the slab. And then you have to think about uh, replacing the, the ride on, you know, the big ride on trowels, you know, the mechanical trowels, you know, but there will come, there is a certain point where the human aspect does have to take over. You know, a robot can't understand art. You know, I think it can maybe sense feel or have something, you know, some kind of sensor on it that does whatever. But I think it comes to a certain point. You have to have some kind of human element in finishing concrete. Well, I mean, the only, the only one I could think of right off the top of my head is when do I get on the slab to start the finishing process, right? You, mm-hmm. you want to make blue water. You don't want to work that back into the surface, right? So you got to let that get off. So, but, but I mean, even then you could have a guy that just tells the robot, all right, all right, robot. And now is go now and uh, get, get on that slab. I mean, you may not have to have a giant arm, Joe. It, it might could be a, a Zamboni looking type of thing that shimmies itself out there. It could be compact. It doesn't have to be big because if it's a robot, it could be it could move so much faster uh, than than a person. Like a Roomba. <laughs> yeah. A Roomba Zamboni. <laughs> yeah. A Roomba <laughs> Zamboni. We're, a billion dollar idea, boys. We just we just made it right there. Hey, I'll, I'll build it. But uh, I'm a tech geek, but I'm not very good at, uh, <laughs> at technical things. I'm more of a mechanical minded person. So I'll build you whatever you want. But getting that thing to work off of. A GPS signal or whatever, however else it would work. That's somebody else's job. But yeah. Oh yeah. Off GPS. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. That's Just what I, the that's same. What I would think. This well, the same way the uh, paving machines that have their guidelines and they got the GPS uh, pinging uh, as they go forward. Farm equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing where it's all robotic. There's mm-hmm. a guy sitting in an air traffic control tower. Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, running. Well, those for things. the finishing machines, you just set up a laser somewhere yeah. so it stays level the whole time. Yep. I think we're onto something. I do. Now, so now drop the paperwork. Well, now I'm going to wait and get a text to see why Will Banks thinks my idea is horrible because that's <laughs> the only feedback he gives me on this podcast. Yeah, Shout that's right. Will Banks never afraid to tell us when we're wrong. Yeah, episode five. Everybody can go listen to Will Banks and just know that after every episode, he's calling me, telling me what I did wrong. So I'm calling him out right here, right now. Negative. negative what? Uh, I tell you this, man. Um, I don't know about you, Joey, but you know our talk, our guest today natalie was phenomenal and uh you know it was interesting to have somebody on that uh really taught us something man she really came with like her area of work is something that we just were not familiar with and taught me a lot about form oil Uh, i I don't know about you joey did you did you feel the same way from our guest today Oh, yeah, absolutely. The formal we used to use, you know, at the old job was, you know, we discussed it was diesel fuel and motor oil. It was just mixed up in a jug. Uh, So that was all the formal experience that I had. So, you know, when she came on board and, you know, started rattling off all these different applications and what these things did, it was eye opening for sure. Well, I tell you, I meant to bring this up on, on our call with her, but she was talking about ways to like demonstrate the quality of her oil and why it matters. And I actually saw not too long ago a uh, visual representation of this. And I want to do it for Actigel too, actually. I've been meaning to talk to you about it. Okay. <laughs> so let's do it. <laughs> what what better time now? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, th- this guy had built a form, right? So he took like uh, a, a steel frame and then on uh, either side of the steel frame, he had 
very very thick like plexiglass it was really it was very thick and it was it was bolted into the steel frame so it had a, a platen on the bottom uh two steel uh like towers legs essentially um but 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 again this whole this whole tower is only like foot high maybe 18 inches high it looks like it was custom built right guy just welded it together uh but it looked pretty sharp uh inside the inside the the box that he's now created right now you've essentially got a, a box with plexiglass front and back so you can see straight through it metal on the sides metal on the bottom and in the top uh he had a, a vibrator that was going down right through the middle and in the middle uh was it looked like there might be a partition but it was hard to tell uh, because the concrete was already in this thing uh, there may have been a partition that went like part way down, but but I don't I'm not exactly sure. It may not have been. But I tell you what was different from the left side of this box. The right side of this box was on that plexiglass. And, and by the way, the plexiglass was threaded on there. So uh, so you could pull it off if you need you pull off the front and the back of this thing. Um, but anyway, on the on the inside of the plexiglass had been coated in two different form oils. No, okay. one on the left and one on the right. Okay. And poured in this concrete, uh, like halfway up or three quarters of the way up, and had the pencil vibrator in there, and then hit the consolidate. And it was the the uh, the difference in the amount of air bubbles that were entrapped on the side uh, the, from one form out of the other. It, it was completely different, 100% different. Exactly like our guest was talking about today. When you use the higher quality stuff, uh, you get rid of all the air bubbles, not just the big ones, but uh, the thin little pinholes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you could see in this demonstration, it was a, a massive difference between how the concretes were uh, up on this thing and and the higher quality was was obvious. It was it was almost perfectly uh, smooth and compacted uh, right up against the plexiglass. That's a really good idea. That would work really great for, for form oil or something like that. Yeah. So I hope, Natalie, if you hear this, uh, we're thinking about you, girl, and uh, get, get you one of these demonstration things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was surprised at how much innovation there is and stuff you wouldn't even think about, stuff that's been around for a while, stuff like form oil. Um, it's generally not high on people's list as, as it pertains to things that are cutting edge. Right. Because, I mean, form oil is is, it's an important part of the process, but you don't think of it as being a technical part of the process. But the way Natalie speaks and the way she describes their products at Crested, it's super technical. And that's what was surprising to me is is how much innovation and, and, and technical aspects go into each and every product that they carry. So that was that was that was the major takeaway for me is how technical uh, a process like that can be. Yeah. And I steal any of her technical thunder here but i did appreciate hearing someone who who has has a product that uh, is innovative in the industry but realizes that they can't do it by themselves like you've got to have a quality mix and you've got to have a quality form and if the forms in these precast plants are messed up well we got to fix those too and sometimes the not just the quality of your form but uh, the makeup of the form like you know there, there's just different levels and for her to be able to suss that out and then i didn't get a chance to tell her this but she alluded to it and, and i thought it was the right comment is that uh she she said you know being technical being there on site and when things don't go well being able to fix them that's when she makes her money oh yeah and we're, we're the same way right any anybody mm-hmm. 
phone and call or send an email or whatever. But when you're on that job site and that concrete does not look right, something went wrong, you got to be able to fix it. And that's where you guys make your money and being able to, to point out those errors before they happen to prevent those things from happening. You know, that's where you guys make your money. Hey, you know, and she she's figured that out on her own. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that can be yeah, a to almost every industry, uh, even, you know, medical field or whatever you get paid or you earn your money when things go wrong, when things are going right, almost anybody could sit in and do the job, you know, the product or, you know, the process is selling itself. But if something goes wrong and you're there to fix it, uh, there's very few people in the world that could do, you know, what, what just happened. You know, there's very few people that could fix that. Let's jump right into it with, uh, with Natalie Martin from Crescent Chemical. It's a good one. Let's just jump right into it. Tell us okay. uh, who you're working for, what it is you're doing, sure. and, yeah. and then uh, how you service that region. Sure. Uh, I work for a company called Crescent Chemical Company. They are a form release agent company, and also we do produce a hand cleaner as well. Um, we provide our, our chemicals. We work in the precast industry mainly and some commercial. And there's two types of release agents. There's a barrier type, which are your diesel fuels kind of recycled, you know, um, oils from restaurants and things like that. Uh, sometimes pig fat. It's very stinky if you ever go to one of those plants. Ours is chemically reactive, and we use 100% virgin mineral or vegetable oils for our product. And then we have our little, we call it crescent pixie dust that goes into our oils, and uh, that's the magic. So we, you apply our product onto a concrete form, extremely thin. It chemically reacts, and you think of, like a static on your TV, how that's while well, working really fast, that's what it's doing with the calcium in the cement. So it's just creating this friction, working all your bug holes out and allowing you to get a, a very beautiful finish. So it'd be bug hole free. And our product allows the concrete to take the same surface as your form. So if your form's shiny, your concrete will be shiny. If your form has a matte finish, then your concrete will be more matte. People that use barrier oils, they typically have a lot of bug holes um, as well as staining. Uh, sometimes that stain will cure out or over time evaporate, um, but ours does not, and our product will fix all that. So pretty neat to be, I work a lot with architectural precasters. So our product is using the Apple building. All these new football stadiums are going up. The Raider Stadium, the Rams, the new 49er Stadium, that one was all done using our product. The Natchez Straits Bridge, they used our product on that bridge. Um, so if you see a bug hole free, just beautiful, beautiful concrete, it's probably our product. <laughs> 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 Helped get it that way. I mean, it's a mixed design as well, you know, but um, so um, I got to this point um, through the CIM program. Uh, I graduated in December 2016. From there, I went to work for a company called Staylight. They're a lightweight aggregate company. My territory was Georgia, Florida, the Caribbean, and Mexico. It was the best job uh, in the world. I, I miss it very much. Um, but my family ended up not wanting to move to Florida. So it took me two years in that company to find a company that would bring me back to Tennessee. So I'm here back in Tennessee with my three wonderful children who caused these gray hairs on my head. And I, hand, I now service half the United States, so everything east of the Mississippi. Uh, my title is technical sales manager, but I like more the 
technical side. So I work a lot with distributors and um, I find out what what the plant, you know, who they have accounts with, which distributor. And then I'll call that distributor like, hey, I'm about to sell this person some Crescent. Get your butt down here. And then I let them handle all the negotiating and all that. Um, Because my job is pretty being technical and and out in these plants, it's it could take anywhere between a week to 30 days. I've been at a plant 30 days to get the look of their concrete perfect. So that's hard enough, and you're there sometimes 16 hours a day. So um, I, I just give the sales part to somebody else. You said you're going to be on site for you know mm-hmm. sometimes weeks at a time. Would you be making changes to the mix, or would you have different things in your bag of tricks that you would do to help get the finish they wanted? So I usually start with our side of things. So what does the form look like? Um, and I, I see what kind of form they have. We have several different types of form release, so I will adjust the form release. I spray on the different form releases, and that takes about a week to get to minimal bug holes and and what works for their forms. Because sometimes if forms have a lot of scratches, we need to have one of our release agents that have extra additives that will add. It's not still not a barrier. It's still always chemically reactive, but maybe a little bit. Uh, more reactive or a little bit thicker to allow it to release with the clean finish. So once I get that adjusted, then we start with the mix. You know, okay, we got most small, teeny tiny pinholes. That's because of release agent. Uh, once you start getting the bigger, uh, more angular looking release uh, holes, those are more probably because of your aggregate. So what's your aggregate size and what's your ratio for your sand and your, your coarse aggregate. So most of the time you can just take out a little bit of, um, course add a little bit more sand and then that that'll fix those bigger bug holes sometimes we have to get well we switch from like a regular concrete mix and we'll get bring in their chemical company and have them design for them a um, uh, self-consolidating concrete and so self-consolidating concrete a good flowable mix with our release agent cuts your time your cleaning it'll just do wonders for business and and the, the cost savings yeah, that's awesome. So we were also in the new Apple uh, building that went up, but oh. we, were, we were in the parking garage. So okay, 10,000 space uh, parking garage, largest parking garage in the world. And they used Actigel yeah. uh, probably in conjunction with your form release. Yeah. And at that time when we were uh, servicing the precast industry, uh, we, were, we were doing double T's, we we're doing bridge beams and girders and, uh, and and these special projects like like the parking garage for Apple. And the thing that our product was doing was also giving a better finish, Uh, but it was hit or miss. Like sometimes we would just have a perfect class, a pristine finish. Uh, And then other times it was, it was not, they were, we were getting uh, bug holes of all shapes and sizes. And and so as we were going from place to place, and sometimes we have great success, we, we realized we're like, you know what, our product has a part to play in this, but there's two factors that are way more important than us. And that was the condition of the forms, number one, and what their form oil was, number two, or form release agent. Uh, right, but right. we didn't know anything about form release agents. We knew the ready mix guys are using diesel fuel. And so it has the staining, it, but it's cheap, right? The diesel fuel or, or whatever the recycled stuff is, it's cheap. So they're like, look, we're just going to spray it on some plyboard. Let's get these, uh, these walls put up. Nobody's going to see these walls anyway. Let's just use the cheapest stuff possible. Uh, but if you could, could you, could you take a moment and educate me? Uh, what, uh, as you start going through the different types of form oils, 
which ones are better? Uh, what what you said yours has got a little activator. It's it's working with the uh, calcium and the cement to help the finish. But could you give us some more information? Could you could you go through the different classes of that? Because we learned that we, we really just don't know enough when it comes to form release agents. Yeah. So the barrier to your diesel fuels and animal fat, they are they're applied so thick and gelatinized and, and you never know what's inside of them because it's, it's recycled. So sometimes they have pieces of food, even though they filter it, there's just things that can react with concrete in the way you don't want to. Sometimes they'll have sugars in them and they'll keep, uh, you'll pull, you'll deform something and you'll see where uh, some of the concrete was stayed up on the form. And why is that? It's because it almost retarded that, that area and it peeled away. And so you have exposed aggregate now. So I've only been in this side of things for two years, and I still don't understand why precasters and contractors continue to use those type of crude oils. They're bad for the environment. They have high VOCs, and I understand that they're low cost, but uh, for diesel fuel, it's $3 and some change per gallon. You only get about three or 400 square feet of coverage, where this little can of our product, um, it will be double in price, but it gives you 1,000 square feet. So it's you do definitely get more for more for your money when you go with a chemically reactive company. Um, okay, so the diesel fuel and animal fat, that's your basic. Mm-hmm. That's your, mm-hmm. your your very low end, low cost. And and it's plentiful. It's plentiful. And it's what people know. Let's be honest. Right. When, you, when you're talking about concrete, it's hard to get these guys to change. And right. and so they're, they're going to do what they know. So if you want to go a step above that, then you start going to guys like Crescent. And Crescent's gonna, you're gonna have uh, different grades of product. You're more expensive and you're less expensive. Right. So we'll start with, uh, we have our, our water base, so it'd be 20. Our water base is probably one of the best architectural products you could get. So we take, we still have our pixie dust, uh, which we're not the only company that has the pixie dust. You have other companies that have that, and they're our competitors, um, and they're pretty even with us now. Now that technology and people are able to test things and and build that pixie dust, which is an amino acid, basically. Uh, so the water base has that same amino acids in it, but it's a water base. It takes emulsifier to put in it. It only lasts six months on the shelf. But like I said, once you get it, you use it, it'll give you a beautiful finish. You still want it to be thin, but it's more user-friendly, I guess I would say, uh, as long as you're not using it in extreme temperatures. So not extreme heats right in the sun of Florida or Texas and not in extreme cold, you know, Montana in the winter months. Uh, then from your water base, you go to your mineral spirits base. That one's particularly my favorite. It's what I, um, that one is extremely user-friendly. You spray it on a form, a double T, and by the time you're done spraying, the carrying agent has evaporated, and it's only leaving that chemically reactive pixie dust. You get a beautiful finish. The only thing they don't they don't remember if they sprayed it or not because there's no oil left. Um, so sometimes they'll apply it twice, which doesn't matter. But still, it's a it's a waste of product if you're spraying a whole double T, you know, twice. That one does have higher VOCs. So you're looking at about 450 uh, VOCs. And if you're outdoors, that's fine. If you're indoors, it's that's probably not the product for you. Um, then you go up to our uh, 880 VOC extras. Those have VOCs, which is, you know, the, the particles that evaporate into the air. Um, that is down to like 200. 
And so you can use that indoors. Those products are now eco-friendly. So if they spill into the ground, they're not going to affect your water. They're not going to affect grounds, your plants growing. It can go on your, doesn't leave burns, um, just healthier all the way around. So the higher quality of your oils, more environmental friendly, as well as safe for yourself, skin, respiratory, things like that. The last one we have is our platinum. And that is, you put something, um, it's a synthetic. So that one is only used in California. And um, if it's going to be a lot of, be around water, like ocean water, you would use that product. And that is a synthetic oil. Um, so it's that one is a little bit more expensive, but it's extremely eco-friendly. Um, you can spill it anywhere you want, and it's not going to affect anything. And it has very extremely low VOCs, under 100. Um, so that's, I guess, how you vary your oils is is what their base is. So you have water base, you have mineral spirits, mineral oil, vegetable oil, and then um, a synthetic oil. That's a good education right so, there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> then, then I have the last uh, 12, 11 years in the business. Right, 100%. Well, I, I am curious as well, Natalie, and you, and you mentioned that you've been in this position for, for just a few years now. But when you talk about the amino acids and and uh, introducing new technology and trying to get people to move from what they know, which is the diesel fuel, and how rapidly has that technology advanced in, in your time at Crescent? Yeah, is, has it been a slow build or is it just something you've seen that all of a sudden within the last couple of years has been a massive influx of or injection of technology? So when I first started selling Crescent and trying to pitch it, um, it just wasn't clicking with people. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't know the cost. And, you know, it's so application sensitive. And I was like, man, I can't what you know, how can I change this? And and, and to me, I needed to bring more technology into it, not just that it's oil, right? So I we have equipment. We have equipment specially made called Rover or 5860. And it's an air, uh, you put pressure in the, the air tank and then about up to 200 PSI, it regulates into an oil tank and then you spray it. And it's extremely high and it does like a, a little bit of a mist, almost as misty as um, what a spray can would give you. When I added that, to my pitch with the oil, it changed the game 100%. So I think adding equipment or some kind of special device that will, you know, that is meant for your product, it changes things all the way around. Yeah, you know, it sounds like your job is a lot similar uh, to ours, and and I'm curious to know how has COVID affected you uh, during this past year? Oh, too much. Um, so I went from I average about 50,000 miles on my car a year and about 20 flights. Uh, my mileage for this past year was only I think it was 16,000. And so and my flights were for World of Concrete and the um, pre-cash show. And that was it for this year. So four flights, mm. you know. So from March, I didn't travel, travel at all, see any customers until the first week of September. I spent a week with the customer there. September, I've only spent one week in Florida. Uh, in October, I'm going back to Florida. I leave Monday for a week, and then that's it. So it's, it's it's been hard. Like I said, I'm very technical. I value myself in how hard I work, you know, how much my feet hurt at the end of the day, how, how physically tired I am. That's how I value my myself, and that's how I feel like I'm worth my paycheck. 
I mean, I'm blessed that I'm still getting paid and we're still able to make sales and stuff using emails and Zoom meetings. Uh, I do a lot of FaceTime with um, with customers uh, that are having issues, but it's still not the same. Uh, I feel like I'm losing something. Like I had to take a 30-minute walk and, and jump rope just to do this interview just to get my brain, you know, like awake again. The thoughts, it's keep it. I feel like I'm getting slow. <laughs> I freaking gained 10 pounds. You know what I mean? I'm like baking damn cookies all the damn time. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I felt that. That's me to a T. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, all this all this work from home stuff, just not used to it. And I got, you know, it's easy to get into these ruts. I got to the point where I had to wake up and like get dressed like I was going to come to the office or like I was going to go out on the job site. Because otherwise you just or at least me, I couldn't get into that mind, that work mindset that I've been so used to. Yeah, and yeah. also, like a, like you mentioned, the, the travel is way down. Well, 50 flights a year for us, easy. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm around Baltimore, which is a huge Southwest hub. And I was hitting A-list preferred by, like, July. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it this year. I'm a little upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's companion pass, too, which that's nice to have. But mm-hmm. I'm going to get that either. Yeah. It is definitely hard not to travel. I go into CIM. I go into the office and speak with Sally Nicole a lot. Um, I've been like asked to do zoom meetings or things for, uh, like STEM. And then at the last minute they get canceled and I get so bummed. So I didn't even tell anybody about this because I feel like every time I tell someone, you know, that I'm going to do something and then it gets canceled. And then I literally cried for like 24 hours. <laughs> like what's wrong? We can't even freaking zoom. <laughs> so, uh, I, this is not good for, uh, I'm extremely outgoing. A uh, very energetic person, and being at home, and in an, maybe if I lived in a house, it'd be different. But I'm in an apartment right now, and so you know I can't. I've got every tool you can think of in my garage, but they exnayed me doing the saws. People started complaining, so I can't freaking build anything. Um, I don't know. I can't glue gun anything else in my place. <laughs> uh, but so it's been really hard, really hard, and I have dyslexia, so. Writing emails, it takes a little bit of time for me to do it. And so now I've been faced for these, you know, eight months with the the most, you know, what, what you need to improve on yourself. You know, every year you think about those things and mine's always writing. And um, so I've been having to deal with this for eight months and I don't think it's gotten any better, <laughs> but I'm just not motivated. I'm just like, OK, what do I do? I've got my brain moves so fast that I can't type it fast enough. And. And then I just type and close my eyes and then I open them. And I got like all these red, <laughs> red things I've spelled wrong. And I was like, oh, in my brain, I spelled it right. But anyway. well, that, that happens to Joey Bell, too. But that's because he was raised in Tennessee public schools. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I would say it's Tennessee public schools that caused, I mean, uh, caused, caught my dyslexia and helped me out. So uh, I've been very blessed. Uh, I grew up and graduated from Columbia Central um, and then. I went and did hair and was a stay-at-home mom for many, many years. I went to Columbia State in 2012, and I got my associates uh, in science from there, graduated with honors. Um, but I had a lot of tutors and a lot of help. And then I went to CIM, got a full ride from them, uh, did the CIM program in two and a half years. Uh, my concentration was in, in contracting at first, and during my internships, I 
realized that I'd probably kill myself if I would have stayed in contracting because I was one of those first ones on the site, last ones to leave, things need to get done. And I had like this tunnel vision of getting that done no matter, no matter what. And um, I went to, I don't know if any of you guys, how many of you are CIM grads? Did you guys, did any of you guys go to England to do and work at the constructionarium in England? Uh, No. No. (laughs) <laughs> no, we had Dr. Brown on. She was telling us about all these fun projects. No, no, no. We were in school when the economy crashed, and there were no, there was no nothing. You know what our senior project was? We went across town in Murfreesboro and poured a sidewalk. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I busted my ass in those last in my CIM. I so two and a half years of program, and I graduated with two years of of experience. So, um, so construction area is that you go to a place in England and you kind of compete with other countries and we pick a project. So, uh, John Huddleston and Dr. Knight took us and they took, um, six kids from each CIM school. So Texas, Chico and New Jersey. And we did an A-frame cable bridge. So it was a mini replica of the brewery bridge in, uh, London. And so it was really awesome. I was quality assurance. And let me tell you, I came home with a two by four to the face. So I had a concussion. I craved barbecue sauce for three months. I had a sprained ankle, wrist. Um, this is embarrassing, but I didn't pee for like all week because it was too darn cold. And so like I was swollen. My kidneys like were infected and it was just nonstop. And um, I just wanted to have the best project. Uh, we had a ready mix truck coming to to pour our, um, our A-frame was precast so they're about to pour it and we forgot to put this uh, wraparound rebar on the on the a and we nobody booked the crane to come lift it up so i freaked out and i went and i lifted that that a-frame on my own and had someone slip the cable on there so everyone was yelling at me but my brain i was just like it's just got to be done and you just gotta you know you just gotta do it and so i grew up in wedding coordination and my you know it's different in picking up a big bunch of flowers and throwing them on something versus uh, a big huge a frame uh, rebar i realized after that maybe i should go into sales so um and it and it's helped i still almost kill myself sometimes but um at least it's like i'm there to to do sales mainly some tech support and it's mostly verbal and i let the guys kind of do it (laughs) (laughs) what brought you to the cim program what made you interested or what what got you there so at Columbia State, I was thinking about being an engineer or like a a math teacher for high school. Um, I realized my mouth is too bad to teach school, and I'm I'm a really aggressive person. I don't mean I don't mean aggressive like just mean and punching everybody, but I do. I'm a hands-on person, so I will shake you if I need to. Um, so I'd probably get kicked <laughs> fired if I was a teacher. But and then engineering, I found out they would take me like four and a half more years you know, to graduate. And, um, I had three children and I needed to start making money. Um, Dr. Brown came and did a little talk and she met me at Columbia state. And then she invited me to come to the office. And, um, you know, I was like, well, school business offered me a scholarship. And so, and so did the physics uh, department. She was like, Oh no, we'll take care of you. And they did. And so, um, I just had to write essay every, every year. And then if you think about it, uh, and concrete, you always see concrete being poured, even through the economics. My family in California, they had concrete businesses. 
and they were think they ever complained about money. You know, um, we always had big, huge parties. Um, they all had really nice cars. I gave them a call when I found out I was getting the scholarship and I was like, should I do this? And I was like, hell yeah, you move back to California and we'll, and we'll give you a job, you know, but no way. I'm a Tennessee girl. I'm so slow. They don't have lights in California to turn left. Hell no. I can't do that. <laughs> I need my green. I need my green light to turn left. I don't like crossing traffic. And uh, we are getting a lot of northerners here in Tennessee, which I don't like. Sorry. No Amen thing. to that. Y'all know you're supposed to hold doors for women, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up in Hickman County. I was your neighbor. You probably didn't realize it. Right there, uh, right across the railroad tracks over there going down 50. Yep. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, but you guys, they don't. The, I was at Opry Mills when I was walking in, and these group of guys wa- walked in to the mall, and they closed the door right behind them, and I slammed in the door, and I opened and I was like, hey, where are you guys from? And they're like, up north. I said, you're supposed to open doors around here for women. I also hold doors for women, Miss Natalie. As, oh, as I did give Joey a hard time for going to high school in Tennessee. I went to high school in Alabama, so. Oh. <laughs> so you, but you, so you're raised with manners. Uh, born and raised. If I hadn't had manners, they'd have been slapped into me. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that grew up in Nashville or the vicinity of Nashville have moved mm-hmm. out of there. Like we got out of there, we let all the yuppies and the hipsters have Nashville. They can have it. So we're oh. all out here in the country in the peace and quiet. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm hoping um, to buy land here in the next year. So I want to I want to raise turkeys as my supplemental income. <laughs> nice. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. Don't let Joey anywhere near those turkeys. <laughs> no, um, but I want to do like um, organic, you know, and then also have the turkey experience. So if you do want to hunt your turkey, I guess I could throw it out in, in one acre and you go find it. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I do have, I will say that, so being a female in the industry, and when I work the Southern um, Territory, they're a lot, a lot more courteous, you know, out, even, you know, the laborers, the laborers could be some rough guys, but those guys are really nice, you go to the North, and it's a whole nother story, I mean, they really don't have filters up there, and, and I've got to, you know, sh- sometimes pull out these guns a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you want to mess with me? This is why we need this show to be on YouTube 100%. For sure. <laughs> that right there was worth the price of admission. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll, that'll make it into a clip because we, we do have a Facebook and Instagram page where we put on clips uh, of the episode and there's a video element to it. So uh, I was in a precast plant uh, last year and they had something I had never seen before. They had a brand new form. This form was emitting high frequency vibrations so so it wasn't like the uh it wasn't like these air-driven pneumatic ones that are just like super loud and and right. really it was actually you could barely hear it you could barely even mm-hmm. tell it was turned on it was it was high frequency and it was doing and so i don't know if, number one i don't know if you've seen that type of technology from these new forms and then number two uh, do you ever consider working with the manufacturers of the forms um, and introducing them to your product and, and work together to say, hey, you, you know, the best way to make concrete your forms is to use our stuff. Let's work together and make this happen. Yep, we do. So we have um, some contracts out there with the form liners. Um, so your form liner will only be in warranty if you use their specific release agent or ours. Uh, and that's huge. And I think we are the only form release agent that works with these form liners. 
as well as right now we are working with um, with the steel form company. So they build steel forms and they are also going to put us into their warranty and said, unless you use their, you know, release agent, then we're not going to warranty these forms for you. And because I do so much technical support when they, they want to sell these forms, go set them up and have me come in and train the companies to use the form release. And you should not be getting grinders or anything that's abrasive to your forms. Um, if you, if concrete does stick to your forms, you should use some kind of chemical or, or um, concrete eater to get it off. Cause a form, the steel is, um, it's got a seal mill, right? So it's got that black like tint to it. And that is not porous. It's 100% smooth, non-porous material. As soon as you break that seal mill, which is, is very thin, um, then now you're working with something that's porous. When you add scratches of grinding machine to that, you're adding something that the concrete can now grip onto. Uh, a lot of release agents, they will go in and fill in into those grooves, even though they're teeny tiny, but they don't fill them up enough to make that smooth, flat surface. So it, it then becomes really hard for those on something that's vertical for those air bubbles to move up and out. Um, so they move up, they get stuck on a scratch or a gouge, and then all of a sudden all this air starts get coming up and getting stuck to it, and then you have a bigger pocket. And even though you look you know, at a form, you're like, oh, that's good. It's shiny. It, it looks smooth. And your brain automatically thinks I'm going to get a great looking concrete piece. And then you pull it off. And you're like, what the heck happened? But it's it's been ground down so much that the, the, the surface area of that form is it's just not going to give you the surface that you're wanting. And it's sad that those forms cost a million dollars. I mean, those forms cost a million dollars for like, a you know, two or three double T's. You'll spend a million bucks, but you don't want to pay, you know, a couple cents extra to for a product that's going to keep those, you know, forms looking like a million bucks. I mean, it blows my mind. Just, so, so you got a million dollar form and a guy mm-hmm. goes out that doesn't doesn't know, hasn't been trained. Maybe maybe you didn't think, oh, I need to train this guy not to take a grinder uh, to knock this uh, concrete, this, this stuck, the spall of concrete. He wants to knock it off. And instead of using an acid or, or a concrete eater, as you called it, mm-hmm. he, he's just going to dr- grind it off. And, and like you said, it, it messes things up. So what do you do to fix that? Like, how does he get back that proper surface if someone's gouged it or grinded it? Um, sometimes you can re-season them. Sometimes you can re-season them. A lot of like uh, forms that really strong, thick forms that do like piles and girders or I-beams, um, those tend to get seasoned. And I haven't studied the steel. I'm stud- starting to study the steel to see what the difference is, but those tend to get seasoned. So we will use our 727 product on there, which is a, I don't want to say, I don't mean to say like, low grading quality because it's really good quality but it it doesn't have as much as the architectural part of the release agent in it Uh, but it will allow your concrete to detach and it also eats the concrete off and it'll eventually smooth out your um your form um so but it takes a while it'll take probably at least four months and all the concrete that's on there should be gone and um, you'll have another smooth surface, not completely smooth, but smooth enough to give you a good bug hole free concrete, not architectural, you know, looking concrete, but a good smooth concrete. Um, 
then or you'll have to epoxy. Sometimes you have to go just go ahead and epoxy it. There's epoxies out there that will last um, 80 pours. Some of them last 120 pours. I mean, you can put that straight on the steel. You don't have to do it with wood. We have a product, so you something called poly release. So you can use any one of our release agents, and then we add something called poly release. And what it does, it adds like a Teflon film to your to your form. So if your form is really scratched or gouged, we'll add, you know, you use the poly release and it'll give you that smooth finish. The only thing is um, it only works that one time. So you have to continue to to use it. So so a lot of precasters will only use that on project specific. They're wanting like a CC one or CC two, which is zero, zero bo- uh, blemishes. Then they'll probably use that product. Is there a, uh, industry or an application that you service that is there something we don't really think of using a lot of formal that you service yeah so the good thing about the the coronavirus is i broke in what do i do it's hard to sell to the bigger you know the bigger precasters so i've been hitting up the little ornamental guys and i've been sending them samples of our product in a can and so the all the the people that produce for the dollar stores, if you go into the dollar store and you see like um, number one teacher, it's like a rock, it's a heavy, like a, a paperweight. People are doing those in their garages and they sell them to the dollar store. They sell them to like these little boutiques. Um, those, that industry is, has grown because of COVID, I think, because they're not having to work their normal job. They're able to work in their garage more. So instead of just buying one can every three months, they're now buying buckets of it. Um, and that's huge, you know, that's one market. And then stone. So veneer stone, it's a really dry, dry mix, sandy mix. And then they take it, they compress it and then they take it off. You can still squish the stone, but it just, it's got a cure over time, but they use our product. And I would have never thought, cause they're not looking for a smooth concrete finish. It's very granular. So it looks sounds like a like stone. A, sounds like block plants then. Yeah. You have to spray those forms. Yeah, so they need that compaction. They don't need concrete to stick to the form there. Right. Yeah. Oh, I haven't hit it. Block prints. Yep. But it would be like that, but just more condensed. So instead of having the coarse aggregate, it would be just sand. Um, so it, our pro- it sounds like the uh, the brick veneer, the guys that are making the they call it thin brick. Is yeah. That, yep. Is thin that brick. Are you talking about like an actual uh, like rock that's four inches by four inches by eight inches. Or are you talking about like the, the thin veneer, the thin brick? No, well, the thin brick, they do use our product as well. But um, the the block, like the actual, if they're, they use, they do this a lot to, to fix buildings that were done like a hundred years ago. Or a lot of like downtown government buildings use that kind of stone. So it's like, it's a, it's a stone, a manufactured stone. And it's sometimes it looks chiseled, you know, like it would be chiseled, but it's not. It's put into a form. And um, so they use our product and I'm, it blows. They use our water based product, though. Um, but it just blows my mind because something with the rough, you know, with the rough texture, you wouldn't think would need a, a release agent as good as ours. But again, they don't want the staining because they're using whites. They're using beiges, um, a sand color and um these buildings are, are highly architectural in, in the way they look, and they're going up for awards. So they want these things, you know, to be inspected and and ready for pictures day one. So I guess that's why they use our product. But that that's very interesting to go into there. Um, this guy, he makes little Lego concrete pieces. 
And he just started ordering our stuff. So you can buy a little uh, pallet of concrete blocks and you can build things with it. And he's using now he uses silicone molds, which typically you don't have to use a release agent for silicone. Um, but he's having issues with the cleaning of it. And with our product, uh, there's no residue left on your molds. So he started using our products for the cleaning side of it, uh, not necessarily because he was having issues with bug holes or anything like that. He just wanted to keep his forms clean. And so we provide that for him. All right. Hey, let's give a shout out to the concrete Lego guy because I yeah. need to go find this dude. So it's, it's not like Lego Legos. It's um, it's actually they look like little uh, gray blocks. Right. So, so, like and then, yeah, but with with gray block. Yeah. yeah. But it, he's you order it and you get a pallet, a little wooden pallet with the gray block on top. And it's super cute. Well, we love super cute here. That's what we're all <laughs> totally adorbs. Okay, so it's called Mini Materials. They do brick as well. And you can also buy their forms. So what's um, your what's the website for Mini Materials? It's called minimaterials.com. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. We'll put all that one in. One word, no dash, no anything. Nope, just minimaterials.com. And you can put your, it looks like here you can put your logo. So they've revamped their website since since two months ago. COVID will do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This podcast is a uh, it is a direct relation to COVID. And it's like, well, I'm in this office for at least two, three months. What are we going to do? So, well, we always wanted to make a podcast. So. Yeah. Here we go. Here we are. Well, I try. I've, they've put me in charge of doing some educational videos. And I did them with my iPhone. And they are so corny. Me and my brother did them. And I'm like, we're not putting this out there. <laughs> it's just like in the back of my apartment, there's this field, and I do a lot of thumbs up, and I'm just like, what am I doing? So then yeah. we just we decided to put the money in and um, hire a professional videographer, and but and we want to do it in a plant, but because of COVID, I mean, we've had like three. We're on our fourth time to be scheduled. Uh, the week of the 14th now is we just keep getting you know, canceled because of COVID. There, someone in their plant tested positive or for other reasons. So it's very depressing because I've been trying for eight months to get this darn video done and I haven't been able to do it. Of any like uh, educational videos or webinars or anything like that to promote the uh, proper use of your, your products? Mm, yep. So we have one. So we have a YouTube channel. And so on our channel, you do see we have a video for our ornamental guys um, on how to apply with the with the spray cans. Um, we also have a, like an eight minute video on the different types of um, release agent and how to apply it in the precast plants. Um, what I'm working on is um, the one a one about our rover, that piece of equipment, because that that to me is we have a big uh, promotion where you buy 10 totes in one year, you get the Rover. Um, and so that equipment plus our product, you can't beat it. And it's, um, it saves so much in cost. And so, and I'll also this year I was trying to work on a cost analysis thing, you know, trying to up my business game here and see what actually the cost of their product versus our product would be. And we have it, you know, we have, you could do it with, you know, simple math stuff and, and the cost of our product and this, how many square footage versus their cost and their square footage. But I don't know. I just want to do an actual project. There's so many parking garages that get built and they're the same dimensions. So we could do one parking garage with our product, one parking garage with another product, and then do it that way and kind of talk to some, to some other chemical guys and say if they want to go on board and go
go into a precast plant and and do a project together. Have you, have you talked to Dr. Brown about that? Because they were building uh, parking garages at MTSU left and right at one point. I don't know if they've still got any left, but she may be yeah. able to out there. Yeah, we um, uh, they might put one one more. I'm not sure if there's space anymore for any more parking garages, but they might put one up for when, when our building gets built. I'm not 100%. But no, I, so I just started thinking of all this, you know, through COVID. So, but we also have a new concrete eater coming out. So I've been wanting to use that. It works in the lab. Like I heard one of your um, podcasts where you guys talking about mixed designs in a lab versus when you go out, you know, in, into the real world. And, and same thing, it's, it's not concrete unless it screws, screws up. But even with our product, as good as, good as, as good as it as it is, you know, sometimes for some reason, I don't know if it reacts with the release agent that was already on there. I go in there and I'm talking all this smack. That, oh, yeah, you're going to have perfect concrete tomorrow. I'll be here, you know, five in the morning. You're going to be patting me on the back. And then I walk in and everybody's furious because there's so many bug holes and staining going on on a piece that, you know, and I'm just. Oh my God! I can swallow my pride, and so I've never seen that before, which I hadn't. You know, it only happened once, thank goodness. Um, it was probably the scare. I probably lost all my color, and I think he, I got, he was towering me and yelling at me, and I was like, Oh my God, this is not I what like I ever want to go through again. I think every podcast we have a. St- Somebody has to tell us a story about how they got cussed out when they screwed something up. So don't don't feel bad, Miss Natalie. That's all of us. And yeah. and it's um it's a rite of passage. It, yeah. yeah. And, and as you're talking about things just not making any sense, Josh and I got a test report in today, and the seven day breaks on a, on a concrete that we poured last week on a, on a like a really important job for us. And one cylinder broke at 1280 PSI. The other cylinder broke at 2530 PSI and the other cylinder broke at 4,300 PSI for oh. <laughs> like, our, our product doesn't make concrete break at the most random strengths ever. Right, and, right. So they're asking, you know, they're asking us, they're like, uh, what do you think happened? <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. Were, were those field samples? Yes, yeah. from uh, the poor last week. Oh, totally normal. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It just makes me mad when, well, not makes me mad. I think it's hilarious now that people get so upset about things going wrong when it's happened your whole life. And every week that you've been in concrete, something did not go right in concrete. And you're 70 years old and you're still have, having a heart attack about it? <laughs> get out of town. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'll remember yep. that. And I'm going to tell that to our next customer. <laughs> no, no, we're not. And <laughs> the, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about concrete is all the materials are natural materials. The yeah. unfortunate thing about natural materials is they have variation. And so you're always going to have variation. There's just so many variables uh, that you just can't escape in this business. And uh, one of those is uh, forms, uh, form condition and form release. And uh, Miss Natalie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here and to learn more about form release. I, I just learned so much from you here. So call me anytime for any advice. I'm here for y'all, uh, my CIM brothers and sisters out there. And Josh, even though you're not a CIMer, um, I'll still help you out, buddy. 
appreciate that. I mean, after after talking to Dr. Brown and so many people from the CIM program, and I got Joey and Paul, I feel like I'm an adopted son. I, uh, I'm almost guilty by association now. Hey, you can you can go get your master's in like 18 months, dude, and then you can be an official CIMer. So there you go. We were just talking about it's this tempting. today. Yeah, it's tempting. <laughs> we're just yeah, talking. I think about it. I just cannot imagine doing homework again. Oh my gosh. Um, I ain't about that life no more. No, I help my kids and I get so pissed at them. I'm like, YouTube it. Why do you need my help? Just YouTube it. I can't do homework. <laughs> Joey, did you have anything else for? What is the most interesting or crazy thing you've ever seen on the job? Um, Crazy or interesting thing? I'm going to take it a little bit, maybe a little bit different. Crazy. So me being a female in the industry, I just love this story. And, and there is a ready mix plant in Georgia that wouldn't let me um on their property i didn't know if it was because i'm hispanic or if i was a woman but i would she just stopped me at the gate and um i was like all right i'll be back in three months and he's like you better not and i he was yelling at me three months i come back he's not at the gate this time i go and i park and you know before i hit the door he's like get out of here i want nothing to do with you now he's still buying our product but he's just calling into the office he doesn't want nothing to do with me and I was like, all right, I'll see you back in three months. And I left my business card and um, a little pamphlet there on the on the on the floor right there by the door. Three months go by. I come back and he's like, all right, come in. Tell me what you got. You know, oh, he already knows our product. But I just told him who I was. CIM. Uh, I was in CIM. And he was like, oh, OK. And then I told him, you know, we're ACI field testing certified and I'm a certified finisher. And when I was doing an internship in Florida, you know, I was um I was able to batch DOT concrete. So then he was like, oh, all right, well, this is not just, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I want to say typical female, but maybe not what he thought he was expecting. And um, so then a couple months later, he called me. He was like, hey, Nat, I, my QC guy just had a heart attack. Can you be here? We're about to pour lightweight and I have nobody here at one in the morning to, to, to handle this. I said, I'm on my way. Four hour drive. I get there. We um, do the do the pour. Everything is fine. About a week later, he calls and he's like, I just want to apologize for treating you the way I treated you the past year. And, um, you know, this one of the guys out there that you worked with, he passed away two days ago and I have no one to talk to. Can I talk to you? And I was like, I'm here. So I pulled over and I listened to, you know, listen to everything he had to say about you know, the, the guy that he worked with and, and losing someone on his on his plant for the first time. And I had did send an email about PPE. And at night um, it was kind of scary there because nobody wears PPE at that plant. And you have to come down in the slope and kind of around. And if you didn't have a reflector, I don't know how you didn't get hit, you know, if a truck was coming. So anyways, um, so he was fixing that. And then he says, you know, do you have any other issues with you know, guys treating you the way I treated you. And I was like, well, yes, sir. I got two other plants. And he was like, who are they? And I told them. And uh, those plants actually ordered uh, a truckload of Stalite, even though they didn't need it. <laughs> so um, and then I didn't have I didn't have any other issues in Georgia. So, you, you know, anybody out there listening and, and, and I, I'm not the only one just because I'm female. I've seen guys get treated really bad that are just taking over. Yep. So the good looking ones, Paul, you probably get a lot of flack. <laughs> you're, so, you're so cute. <laughs> but, um, 
but you know you no guys get a lot of flack too so uh, no well, let me i actually I, when you finished i i wanted to say two things uh, one you come across very technical i i think you speak very very well i don't it doesn't matter you, you notice we didn't ask you any questions about being a woman in the industry right no you, know, yeah. you you exude the technical skill immediately when you talk you uh you convey that you know what you're talking about but you're not being braggadocious about it you're not egotistical about it you're not trying to prove that you know more than anybody else just when you talk you can tell you know what you're talking about and and so it never became an issue about whether you are a woman or a man in this industry and, and i wanted to give you a sense of uh confidence you know you know i can't tell you whether they were or or were not judging you based on your immutable characteristics when you're at that plant but i can promise you that it happens to all three of us on this team, and it, we have driven to so many places where we go in and we don't know anybody, and uh, and, and as soon as you get out of the car, they're they're jumping out at the gate to to curse you out and tell right. you to and don't ever come back. Uh, I can't tell you how many no no soliciting signs we've ignored and <laughs> just gotten railed on because of it. So, so I want you to know you're not alone in that by any stretch of the imagination. It happens right. to us all the time. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, not good, but I'm, you know, it's nice to hear that you're, you're not ever alone out there. And, and I hate that anything negative were to happen to any of my concrete brothers or sisters, but it does happen. And the, and the thing that we have to do is know how many other positive things happened to me that week versus, you know, that one plant. So ready mix plants, you know, I could visit 20 plants in one week and 19 accepted me and one didn't, you know, and, and before the CIM program, I would let that one plant just eat me away. But uh, I've grown so much and, and I feel so blessed being in this industry. You know, even through COVID, I haven't lost my job. Right. Where our sales have gone up and we're not hitting the road. So my boss could easily call and say, hey, we're making money. But I don't want to pay your salary anymore. But he's not doing that, you know. And um, and I and I know a lot of us. Uh, I I'm on um on the boards of a lot of associations. So I talk to my fellow associates and ask them, you know, trying to be nosy. Are you guys traveling yet? Who's let? What plants are letting you in so that I can call those plants and and get in as well? But nobody's really traveling. But we've all kept our jobs. Um, you know, none of us are hurting financially. And and. I think we're all blessed and, sh- and should be blessed. And, and I hope everybody does angel tree. If you can uh, this year, uh, give back um, as much as you can, you know, and cause I'm going to make my little spoiled brats do an angel. tree. <laughs> well, we, uh, we do those in, in my family in Alabama. Those are really big deals. These angel trees. I saw, a, unfortunately a sad story, a post from Alabama from back home. And, and they said, you know, the angel tree is still completely full of wish. <gasps> Because nobody's going into the right. stores or buildings or whatever they are. The people just aren't going into this place. So the trees yeah. completely full. And uh, man, that just that just breaks your heart. But your story uh, was very impactful. I, I love the story that you told about the uh, crazy situation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. Like I said, anytime I'm here in Murfreesboro. And I'm down the street from the lab. So if you guys ever want to play in the lab, I'll get you in. I got the hookup. <laughs> awesome. But no, seriously, email me your address for your lab and I'll send you some product to keep your equipment looking good. All right. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate that. Awesome. We'll do so much. And some hand cleaner. The hand cleaner will keep your wives happy. Let me tell you. 
<laughs> no, seriously, this guy, uh, he was so, you know, I sell the hand cleaner to the concrete guys like QC labs and things like that. And I had um, I was at a plant and they were, they were like, hey, if you go into the mechanic shop, he has little he'll give you a little Cuban coffee. I was like, heck, yeah, I don't need to sleep for three days. Right. <laughs> so I went in there to get my little cup of Cuban coffee. And then I saw that he had the Crescent hand pump uh, cleaner in there. And I was like, you use the cleaner in here? And he was like, yeah, it takes all the grease off and made my um, hand soft. And he said, if it wasn't for this hand cleaner, I wouldn't be married. And I was like, why? And he says, because my wife didn't like me touching her with my scratchy hands. <laughs> so now he can touch her. <laughs> I don't know where, but uh, he can touch her now <laughs> because of our hand cleaner. <laughs> so, That's great. Well, all right, we, guys. Time today was wonderful. Thank you so much for picking me and, and speaking with me. I really appreciate it. I needed this. Thank you. Y'all have a very merry, merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year, okay? We will. Thank we you, will. you too, Natalie. Merry Christmas. All right. Peace out. Okay, that's going to do it for episode 10. One final thank you to Natalie with Crescent Chemical for being on today's podcast. We certainly appreciated it. It was a lot of fun to do that interview, and we hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as well. Uh, be sure to check us out on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram to check out the video element of today's podcast. Also, be sure to give us a review, like, comment, tell your friends. We certainly appreciate it as we try to grow the listenership each and every episode. Also, big thank you to Actigel 208 as today's presenting sponsor. Be sure to check them out at actigel.com, A-C-T-I-G-E-L.com. Also, there'll be plenty of links in today's show notes for Crescent Chemical and other interesting features we talked about. So until next episode, y'all take care.